next turn, take out your sheet, your sheet that has the prayer prayer request on one side and scripture fighter verse on the other. I would like us to look at, we're going to take a break from the Sermon on the Mount for one week because I preached this Sunday on a passage that was specific to prayer. With that said, I, I want to look at the passage I preached on this Sunday, and I want to apply it in the second half of this time, um, and, and look at it maybe in a little more discussionary way for just a few minutes. Does that just go off? We'll be fine. You you have you have the sheets. I just um, took it. Look at Colossians one nine through fourteen. Colossians one nine through fourteen. Um, someone would could someone read these verses for us? chapter 1. I want us to put all our... Okay, everyone kind of focus in on your thoughts. Okay, we're in the letter of Colossians. And we're trying to figure out what's happening in this letter. Just like if you're, if you're analyzing a letter, you get to a section, you can't take it out of context. You have to understand it in context. What is Paul doing in this paragraph? saying what he wants for them. And in fact, I think we're going to see that this is pretty foundational for the rest of this letter. That he's, A lot of the letters are like a sermon. He's like, he writes a sermon to them. He's writing a sermon because he, he believes this church needs to hear this. And, and we know now, and in fact, it wasn't just for this church because we'll get to the end of this and they'll say, you read this and you pass this on to the church at Laodicea and tell the church at Laodicea to pass it on to you and so they're, they're bringing it in, and he's saying, this is what I want you to get. But how does he say, what does he say he does with this, this subject matter he's about to tell them he wants them to get? He says he prays for them. And I, I brought this, this, my main point of my sermon wasn't this, but I want us to focus on this concept. There's three things about prayer. That during the sermon, I, I, I more have talked about what was Paul's prayer, that was that they would that the whole church would be filled with God's will, the knowledge of God, a true deep comprehension of God's will and plan. And then why 
Why did he want that? He wanted it so that they would walk worthy. And then he said, this is what walking worthy looks like. It's bearing fruit. It's being strengthened. It's giving thanks. It's growing in the knowledge of God. Now, three things that I want you to see about about prayer is, one, Paul doesn't actually, Paul regularly prays for people he doesn't know personally. But he has grown close to them in a different way. I mean, he had no opportunity for Skype or for for email or anything like that, but he has been praying for them regularly. And I, I think that's relevant as we even go into these prayer meetings. We, we have on our list people we have, we have no idea who they are. Like, we've never met them personally. And you're going to share some prayer requests. And, and we are in good company of being the type of people that will pray regularly to people we may never, ever meet, that God would still do a work through our prayers as we pray for them. That's the first thing. Uh, the second, the second thing is, how frequent, do we learn anything from this passage about Paul's frequency in prayer? What's that? He, yeah, he didn't. He did not cease to pray, which is what? What's a positive way of saying it? He continually prayed. He continually, persistently prayed. He, did Jesus teach us to pray consistently or persistently? Yeah, he did. I mean, he said. When you pray, I want you to pray like that widow who just won't stop asking for mercy to a judge. And, and, and the judge finally says, all right, stop bugging me. I'll give you mercy. And he says, he says I want you to pray with that kind of persistence. We just keep, and so we'll have prayer requests over and over again. We'll say, God, but let's, let's not just let them turn into like a filler. Oh, yeah, we just kind of keep that as a template, but we never really look at it. It's just a vain repetition. We look at our prayer list. Let's take some of those tried and true names that might be on there for a long time and go, but I'm not going to give up. God, would you please work in this person's life to save them? Will you work in this person's life? In fact, we're going to have some tonight. We're going to have, we'll probably have some of you share tonight's people that we need to pray that they'll be saved. We won't know them. We need to pray persistently. The third was, um, look, if you look at this, if you had your, you don't have it here on your sheet, but if you looked at last week's sermon, and last week's paragraph that I preached on, Colossians 1, 3 through 8, Paul starts by thanking the Colossians. He says, man, I'm so thankful to God for what God's done. He's caused fruit to be born in your life because of a hope that you have in heaven. I'm so thankful for this. It's producing something in you, and it's producing it all over the world. It's the gospel at work. So he's thanking, and if you were to take that paragraph and you take the paragraph that we're just looking at now, they really co- they, they really connect to what Paul thanks God for because he still asks. Have you ever done that to your kids? Hey, son, I'm really thankful you're doing really good at treating your sister really well, and I'm praying that you'll treat her even better. Have you ever done that? Have you ever prayed for somebody and encouraged them and said, I'm really thankful that you're doing this. I'm praying that you'll grow in it. Paul's doing that. He's what he thanks God for. He's and, and he sees going on. He prays that it will increase. And so let's let's just get to it because this is relevant to our prayer time. I want to talk about this. What does Paul say? He prays every time or without ceasing for the church. 
down here. This would be awkward if we weren't all a family. <laughs> it's kind of like, Dad, will you get the movie projector working? Oh, that's probably, that's. It says, do not do that. your mind, there, there, and there's a, when you, you praise it, it starts with a mind transformation. Yeah. You think you're right, you'll be right. You want to get up thinking. That's good. In a, that's the exact way of saying it. What, what is our fighter verse then? Does this relate to our fighter verse?
says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. By test- and, and he talks about the will of God. And Paul is, so Paul is saying, here's, here's, in a nutshell, I think what Paul is saying is, I, I thank God that the gospel came into your life and gave you a hope. <laughs> you believe that the world has changed and it's changed for you and you're a different person because of the gospel. And it's bearing fruit of love and faith and all of these things in your life. You're a grateful person. You're a loving person. Uh, you're, you're, not the, you're not the same type of person. And now he says, now every time I pray for you, I pray that you would so learn what that hope is. You have even begun to work out the implications of how great it is. How great it is. How gr- glorious the gospel is. That God has done this work. And I think when he says that with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. He, he is not saying, so you will... You'll be filled with this extra biblical revelation every day so that you wake up and you'll go, I know that I'm supposed to buy this car today. And I know I'm supposed to take this new job today. That's not primarily what, that's not really what he's saying. God sometimes leads us and directs us. And he, he usually does it through just us making godly, wise decisions through the circumstances that are in front of us. I think the will that he's talking about is his plan design in creation. His design in the, in, the new, in the kingdom of His Son that's just starting is taking place. Because He's going to say, God trans- he's, he's rescued you from the domain of darkness. He's transformed you into the kingdom of His Son. Now I want you to learn what God's intention in that kingdom is and how that impacts you so you will live worthy. So you will live worthy. And, 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 and he says that living worthy is going to look, it means you're going to bear good fruit. You're going to bear fruit in good works. And it means that you're going to be increasing in the knowledge of God. Have you, did you find that interesting? Look at that. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't even notice that. Look at how Paul says, I pray that you'll, in, you'll have a knowledge of God's will. You'll be filled with the knowledge of God's will. So that you will, it will, you'll be pleasing to the Lord and actually increase in the knowledge of God. Does that seem strange to you? Or at least interesting? So he says, I hope you'll get filled with the knowledge of your will so that you'll be worthy of the Lord so that you'll actually grow more in the knowledge of God's will. And, or in, in the knowledge of God. You're increasing in the knowledge of God. You're like this, you're, you're a tree that's increasing deep into God greater and greater. And you're going outward with what is, in a tree when it grows outward, what it, if it's a if it's a tree that, what, what should it produce when it grows outward? Branches and then branches, how it's, what hangs on the branches? Leaves and fruit. So it's, so, And it's rooted deep in the knowledge of God. It's flowing out in fruitfulness and a, a solid tree grows strong and thick. When it's strong and thick, when the winds come, does that tree break? It endures, right? So Paul's saying that you may be enduring, that you may have strength and power in this passage to endure and be 
patient. And, and so, and, and then, and then I think another fruit is abounding in thanksgiving. You are giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. So, what are the what are the implications of this passage for us tonight? So what? What? So what? We should, in answer to the the paragraph of Paul's nine through fourteen, what does that mean for us? Goes back to church on Wednesday, gathering. Yeah. Stop. Okay. Wisdom is the the cataloging and the taking in of I think I think it is what God has done for us and what He's given us in His power and spiritual wisdom and the understanding is the learning the implications of how we live that out in our lives. In fact, we're going to see that when we go through Colossians. He's going to say, "Now, God, God has done something for you. It really means something." It's not just some like churchianity, but it has no. But it, it has connection to your everyday life, how you husband. Because in chapter four, three, he's going to say, "So husbands do this, wives do this, parents do this." He says, "Masters do this, servants do this." You're going to there's there's a way you live. Put to death this. Everyone put on compassion and love, forgiving one another, showing showing a compassion. And, and, he's, and I think he's praying, God, would you give them an understanding of how that really looks in their life? When? that into the category that we've been talking about for weeks now, about what does it mean to practice godliness, train ourselves to godliness. We said godliness is devotion that results in a life that's pleasing to God, which is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I pray that you please the Lord. Life that's pleasing to God is behavior, it's fruit, it's it's all of these things. And what did we say was the foundation? What where does What is devotion to God? We said we, the triangle... What? The fear of the Lord, the love of the Lord, that we just sang about the love of the Lord. We just, and, and, and I think Paul's saying, I want you, I pray that so that you could grow pleasing to God, you 
would truly fear the Lord in the wisdom of the Lord. Good, that's very helpful, Len. And then that you would you would learn His. When I think that He's saying that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will, because of the context, He's about to start to explain all that Jesus did and is doing. He also doesn't. He also means I want you to just be blown away by the cosmic implications that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. That he, all things were made through him, by him, for him. Nothing exists. How do atoms stay together? Is anybody a scientist here? Or a physicist? You know how, how, how do atoms stay together? How, what, what keeps them together? AT, yeah. How does Adam, how, how do atoms do that? And sci, well, scientists are often puzzled by that. The word of his power. He holds all things by the word of his power. And he's saying, I want you to know what that's going to mean for your day. And I, it takes wisdom. It takes the fear of the Lord to work that out. So, the question then is, what implication does this have for us on a prayer meeting tonight? How should we obey this text? How should we respond to this text? Jay? greatest spiritual need, and that is growing in godliness, growing in the spiritual understanding of God. And so even even tonight as we pray for physical needs, physical sickness, or physical trials in our lives or in someone else, we say, God, would you so use those trials to draw that person into a deeper understanding of God's plan for them. That they would walk in a God-centered in our prayers. We're just constantly, okay, yeah, I'm going to pray, but I'm not, I'm not just interested that you get over your cold. I am more concerned that that cold gives you everything you need for Jesus, to grow in Jesus. You, you don't always say it like that to a person. Hey, can you pray for me? I have a cold shirt. No, I'm not going to pray for you. I want you to get godly. <laughs> you don't say it that way, but in your mind and your heart says, yes, I will pray for you and have compassion. If that person's hurting, you pray for that person's to go away. You want to help meet their need, but you, you do, you can't divide that and say, but I long for something more for them. That because, because for instance, hey, I have this bill and pray that I get this bill paid. Yes, I, w- I do want that your bill to get paid. And if I can help, I won't even help pay that bill. But 
take care of everything will without end. What else? This should be a prayer for our children. Most of us have children here. For for our close family, our friends. We should pray this for our church. God, would you give us as a church a filling of the knowledge of your word? And so one of the things I'd ask you to pray for, would you pray for, I, I, I genuinely believe that God will answer your prayers in a way that you impact on Sunday morning during the teaching of God's Word, both in the Sunday school hour and during the sermon time, there will be more of an impact, a more of an understanding, more of a, a conviction of God's Word in our lives if we pray for it than if we didn't. I, 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 and, and, it's, it's much, and I love how I was reading, and this is fresh on my mind, I was reading and Spurgeon says it this way. He says, if, if I have been useful to you, he's, this is now the preacher talking to his congregation. If I have been useful to you in any measure, pray for me. It is the greatest kindness you can do me. If the word has spoken by these lips has been a means of grace to your children, plead for me that others of the young may be brought to Jesus by my teaching. If you would find my ministry more profitable to your souls, pray for me still more, and let it not be said of your minister that you do not profit by his preaching, and that you have not because you ask him. Beloved, let us wrestle in prayer, for untold blessings are to be had. He said, don't let it be said that you didn't get anything out of my sermon if you didn't pray for it. <laughs> love that. He's like, you want a good preacher? Pray for me. And I I think that's, that really is, should be, I mean, I think, I think this, this Spurgeon's attitude is the attitude all of us should have in anything we do. You know, like good parenting. Kids, pray for me. And we model that, that, man, even mom and dad are so humble that they ask for help. They're needy. They're, they're okay to say they're needy. Whoever, there's not, one, there, there's not one unneedy person in the world except for Jesus. Um, I mean, that's, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. So, we're going to go into prayer. Let's go. We, we have plenty to pray about. Let's take out our prayer sheets. I need to get, I must need to grab one. Does someone have Okay, um, here are some prayer requests. I'm going to take your prayer requests and some updates here in a minute. We have the prayer requests for the last several weeks. There are some.